Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Do. All right, who's doing the intro? We didn't even talk about it this time. Me. All right. Welcome to the JGB Sports Podcast episode 10. And this is the MIAC tournament part three. This is the finale. This um, Last time we left this, we just seen that they even said MIAC on the coverage I watched the other day. So you know that that's true. Um, yeah, we left it last time. Um, Delaware State had just won, so it went to the, the final game because it was a double elimination tournament. Both teams had lost one. Um, we'll talk about that one in a little bit. Segment one, I always like to talk about things we've talked about previously. Um, one thing I did see, we talked about the cycle last time. Isaac Bellany, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing him correctly, a Baltimore outfield prospect, amassed a cycle in his first four at-bats for single-A Delmarva in a 14-6 win over Charleston. So I know that you like to do your Baltimore updates as well. So I was like, oh, it was actually a Baltimore player. I saw it on the um, minor league baseball website, so I looked at that. Now, also this week, and I can't quite remember why you asked it to me. I think it might be because we're going down to Charlotte soon. I think I mentioned the NASCAR. Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, you asked me who my favorite driver was, and I said, "Well, it used to be Dale Earnhardt Jr., um, but I don't really know anymore." Anyway, as I was ta- as we thought about that, a few days later, I saw this. So you're going to tell us a little bit of crossover story, baseball linking up with NASCAR. Okay. Uh, I think it's pronounced Corlig. I think. Corlig. Corlig Racing's Noah Gragson from Charlotte drove. And the number 16 um, Charlotte Knights car at last Sunday NASCAR's Sunday's NASCAR race. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> I got a birthday card that I just haven't put away yet. Can you remember why it's called NASCAR? Um, or like, according to the joke on my card, anyway. They were like, NASCAR. Yeah, it's like the Southern voice. Oh, NASCAR. Yeah, really NASCAR. It's like, oh, we should call it NASCAR. Yeah. All right. I think the name is Dan Rechkowski. Dan Rutkowski, Koo of the Chocolate. <laughs> C-O-O. Knights. It looks like Koo, though. I'm not sure what that is. If you have, like, CEO, like the leader of a company, I'm not quite sure what C-O-O is, but, yeah. Of Charlotte Knights, this partnership made perfect sense bringing together the incredible fan base of racing in Charlotte with the passionate fans Charlotte Knights. Yeah, he so, finished 24th in the race with throttle trouble. Throttle trouble. Throttle trouble. Yeah, the racing was actually in Charlotte because they got the speedway track down there. But I thought that was, it was funny how we just talked about NASCAR. And we're going Charlotte NASCAR. soon. And it all came together. So anyway, um, I did look to see. Um, obviously, it's a shame that his car kind of broke down a little bit. Um, I looked to see, because I said I don't even really know anybody who races anymore. Um, I looked at the top 10 drivers, and I don't recognize too many of these, actually. Uh, Chase Elliott, I kind of recognize. Ross Chastain, I don't. Kyle Busch, I know. Ryan Blaney, I've never heard of. Martin Truex Jr., I, I think I know his dad, but I didn't know him. I didn't know Jr. race. Who's his dad? Martin Truex. I had a video game called Talladega when I was in England a long, long time ago. Um, and I remember Martin Truex was one of those, so Jr. will be a 
Son. Uh, Joey Logano, I do know. William Byron, I've never heard of. Alex Bowman, I've never heard of. Kyle Lawson, I've never heard of. And Christopher Bell, I've never heard of. So, yeah, people in the top ten, yeah, I, I'm really out of touch with NASCAR. Uh, but I did want to uh, look it up a little bit. Now, the other thing we have is, I said that I've been giving you baseball cards, kind of random, well not random ones, based on stories we've talked about, and I kind of said, oh, well, perhaps I should just start giving you one from Orioles. You, you like to do your Orioles updates, perhaps we should learn some more about some Orioles players. So I bought um, something from eBay, it's like, it wasn't 100, but it was like 80 cards or something, um, all different ones. I kind of sorted them a little bit, so do you want to tell us who card number one is then? Wellington Castillo. And why do you think I picked that one out? Uh, I don't... Um... <clears throat> he's the new catcher? No, he's not the new catcher. No, I, you never... Oh, you, catcher? You, you knew straight away why I picked this out before when I gave it to you. He's a catcher? No, that wasn't the reason at all. It's because it was Wellington. <laughs> like Wellington Bolsley. And also Marcus Castillo as well. So I was like, oh, it's like two Coppin players' names put together in, in one. So, anything you can pick out from the card? Well, you already told us he's a catcher. Obviously, he played for the Orioles. Do you want to tell us when he played for the Orioles? Um, Does it tell you? I guess while you're trying to figure out how to read a baseball card, I'll tell you his starting career then. He started off for the uh, uh, Seattle, uh, Chicago Cubs. 1916. 2016. 2016, yeah. He's, he's a fairly recent player for them. He started out with the Chicago Cubs, uh, went to the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, on June 3rd, 2015, the Mariners traded Castillo, Dominic Leone, Gabby Guerrero and Jack Reinheimer to the Arizona Diamondbacks for Mark Trumbo and Vidal Nuno. I recognize Mark Trumbo. I remember he was first baseman for the uh, Orioles, so I picked that one. Uh, Castillo signed a... Oh, my notes just suddenly jumped. Castillo signed a one-year, $6 million contract to play with the Baltimore Orioles in 2016. And uh, in his debut, he went two for four. He also played for the White Sox, and eventually he went for the Nationals as well, JJ. I didn't realize that until the other day, actually. Um, on January 24, 2020, Castillo signed a minor league deal with the Nationals, um, and then he sat out the 2020 season. Why did he go season. to the minors? Um, I guess he was struggling with his batting, perhaps. So sometimes people take a deal so they can try and get back, go back to AAA and then try and get up back to the big club again or back to the major leagues. Um, so yeah, COVID, he sat out because of that season and actually COVID he's he's, um, he's actually retired now as well. Now, I did actually, the reason it kind of stuck out for me is, um, like, I love the name Welly. I think it's great. And uh, when I saw Wellington again, I was like, oh, I've never heard of another baseball player called Wellington except for Wellington Ballsley. So I looked up on uh, Major League Baseball how many players have been called uh, Wellington in the history of baseball. All right, do you want to make a guess? Wellington Edward? How many baseball players do you think have been called Wellington in the history of Major League Baseball? 490. Not even close. Technically zero, because that Wellington, and I didn't realize to begin with, is actually spelt differently. That Wellington Castillo only has one L in his name. Normally Wellington has two. So yeah, Wellington's a really unique name for a baseball player. And in the ten episodes we've been done, we, <laughs> we've suddenly found two of them. There was only two, and we've talked about both of them. So I thought that was kind of a kind of a unique little thing.
Alright, segment two then. This is our review of the final game of the MEAC tournament, if you prefer, JJ. Now, I'd lost the um, the program that they'd given us, because I was like, oh, I want to use... It's over there, Dad. I haven't lost it now, when I started doing this. So, anyway, I found it between the, the last record and this record. So, I took some of the stuff from it. So, JJ, do you want to tell us about the original MEAC? MEAC... Original teams were Delaware State, Howard University, UMES, Morgan State, NC. I think that's A and T. A and T. That's a weird State, name. I don't know what the North A &T Carolina for. Central, mm -hmm. South Carolina State, in nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, Woo! I put 69 or 70. I think one year they announced the teams, and then the following year was when they started. So it was around that time. Coppin State joined in 1985. During that time, several teams have joined and left, including Coppin State. Yeah, now I couldn't find that when I looked for a second time. I remember seeing it said they'd left, and then like a year later they joined again. So it was, uh, it was pretty quick, but yeah, they've kind of changed a little bit. Now, in the 2021 tournament, we knew that Norfolk State defeated North Carolina Central State 7-6 in 11 innings. That was also at Marty L. Miller Field. So it makes me wonder, is that like held there every year now? Because that's where we were. And actually, that was the first ever MEAC title for Norfolk State as well. And uh, North Carolina Central State, they made the final last year, JJ. No baseball team in 2022. I don't understand that. I looked up, I went to their website. I was like, oh, did they just change conference or something? No. So I really don't understand what happened to that. I thought that was I thought that was very strange. I don't know if it was a financial cut or if they just couldn't get enough players. The other stuff that I saw in the um, program was um, the, you, it listed all the players and it was clear that one team had more than anybody else. Coppin State had 32. Uh, Delaware State had 30. Uh, Maryland Eastern Shores had 37. And Norfolk State had 31. So I was like, why is... Maryland Eastern Shore got so many more players than the other ones. Like, isn't there a limit? Like, I don't know if you know, major leagues have limits on how many players you can have. So, what I is that limit, Dad? Uh, what, huh? What is the limit? Well, that's what I looked up. So I googled how many players are on a Division One college baseball team, and it says under NCAA rules, a Division One baseball team's eleven point seven scholarships can be divided between a maximum of twenty seven players on a thirty five player roster. With all players on athletic scholarships having to receive a minimum of 25% scholarship, this leaves room for eight walk-ons. Alright, do you notice a problem there? What's the problem? I don't know much. The you allowed 35-player roster. Maryland Eastern Shore had 37 players listed. <laughs> I don't know what happened there then. So unless it's different rules for the MEAC, I don't know, but um, it sounds like they have too many players. Um, I don't know. Um, one other thing I did see, they did list some of the stats. It looked like, from the stats that they listed, but it wasn't quite at the end, uh, Corey Miley finished 10th in the nation uh, for on-base percentage. So we announced a couple of times he was in the top 10, and it looks like he managed to stay in top 10 for the rest of the year. Now, I want to ask you some other things. So, Coppin State. Where is Coppin State? Where's the Coppin State University? In Maryland somewhere? Yeah, it's in Maryland. Can you remember the city? No. Considering we said it was right next to the zoo. Coffin? <laughs> no, Coffin was the name of a person. I said it was right next to the zoo we go to. So which zoo Wait, in Maryland? Maryland Zoo? Which city? Uh, I don't know where Maryland Zoo is. Which, think about it. Come on, which big city is it likely to be in? Baltimore. Baltimore, thank you. All right, so where was Delaware State University, Delaware. do you think? Okay, do you want to name the city? Remember, no. we went to see a Delaware State game, right? No. Where did we go to in Delaware? 
know. We went to the capital of Delaware. Oh, yeah. So where's that? I don't know. Dover, Delaware, right? Yeah. Nope, it says it's Washington, D.C. Huh? How is oh, Delaware what? State? How is Delaware State in Washington, D.C.? That's what it says in the program. Now, I understand that you don't have to have it in exactly the same town. Like, um, when we went to see Coppin State play, they didn't play in Baltimore, did they? They played near Baltimore. But how the heck is Delaware State University in Washington, D.C.? That has to be a typo, surely. Um, Howard University that was mentioned earlier is in Washington, D.C. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, JJ, you got the scorecard there. Do you want to talk us through the first six innings? I don't really want to go any further than six innings to begin with. Okay, in the first inning, Coppin State got five. In the second inning, Delaware State got one. So actually, the... stop there for a second. So in the first, in the last game, in the, sorry, in the first game when they played Delaware State, there was a mercy rule because they won like they had like fifteen runs, and yeah, I kind of thought for this one five. And I thought for this one, I was like, oh, they so they got a great lead here. I was like, this is good. And, um, all right, keep going then. So it's 5-1 at this point after two. Okay. In the fourth inning, Delaware State got four. So tied fifth, game. They got two runs. Uh-huh. And in the sixth? No runs. All right. So at this point then, it's 7-5 uh, to five, Delaware State. And uh, might be getting a little bit nervous at this point. It's like, uh-oh, we don't have very long to go. Um, the Coppin people um, from that first inning, uh, Jordan Hamburg doubled down the line for two RBIs. Um, Albright, I think that was the new catcher. Um, I don't think it was, I forget his name. Uh, is it like, it's like Deshaun or something? I can, what's the catcher's name, JJ? Help me out. 28. Oh, you're useless. What's his name? I can't remember. That's going to drive me crazy now. It's Mike... I can't remember. But yeah, um, Argerbright came in. Um, so he got three RBIs. So um, yeah, there was like two big hits in this inning that got it started. And um, oh, now another thing I wanted to mention in this game was this time though they switched where the first base was. Uh, sorry, where they switched which side was on the first base side. So for this one, Coppin was on the third base side and Delaware State was on the, fir on the first base side. So where were you sat for this game? I was uh, I was sat at the third base. You were right next to the dugout, and you said like, "Hey, can you come and sit over this side so you can watch where I am?" And I was like, "That's fine. Um, I don't. It didn't make any difference. There was plenty of room to sit for this one. Um, so you were right near the you were right near the players. And um, you want to tell us about the seventh inning, man? Uh, in the seventh, Delaware State got four. And Coppin State got three. Well, you're doing this out of sequence. You do the top first. So Coppin State scored three runs and actually took the lead in this game. So that would would have made it to 8-5. Now, is this when you started to do your little rallying around a little bit? Because this will be the thing that I'll remember more about this game than anything else in the future, I think. I think it was in the eighth minute. Oh, you started in the seventh. Okay. Let me have a look because I want to look. Um, let me have a look what happened in the seventh. It wasn't. The first thing that happened in the seventh is uh, Brian Nicholas home to right field. Because you came up to me and was like, um, hey, guess what Brian said to me? And I was wondering, I was like, um, did he say he was going to hit a home run or something? Like, did he call his shot like Babe Ruth? And can you remember Wait, what he said Ruth to you? Babe Ruth in the World Series, like he pointed to the field supposedly, and he's like, "I'm gonna hit one over there," and then he did. He hit a home run over there. Some people are saying he actually pointed two fingers. I was like, "Hey, that's two strikes on me, but I'm still okay." But it's kind of one of this. Perhaps that's something I need to look into. Oh, shoot! I just remembered something I was gonna talk to you about. I forgot to talk to you about the uh, pine tar incident. 
All right, I guess we'll have to save that Wait, for... Wait, what Pride Torrent did he... Oh, good, you already forgot it. Perfect. Who? We'll talk about it next time, then. You Tell already forgot. It's um, George Brett from the Kansas City Royals, because we talked about Pine Tar, and I said I'd tell you about the, the story of George Brett, and I totally forgot. So what did Brian say to you? Can you remember? I know it's nearly two weeks ago now, unfortunately. He was like, I want to hit a home run. He did not say that. That's not what you told me. Didn't he say you were going to be like the lucky mascot or something like that? Or you were going to be lucky? That's what you told me. Well, you just lied to me at the game then. I don't okay. Know. Well, that story's not quite so good then. If that's if that you don't even remember, we should have recorded this at the time, I guess. All right then. So you already said that Delaware State then got four. So having just taken the lead, they're actually now down by not just two runs. They're actually down by three runs. And the eighth inning then. This is where you started doing your. Wasn't the eighth inning where you started doing the fist bumps for luck? Yeah. I think that's when you did it. You started going Two and talk to them. Now, I actually think Woo! this is when you were talking to the players, though, as well. Yeah. Because I seem to remember before I you'd even to, talk to Brian. I you... talked to a few of the players, like, uh -huh. earlier in the game. Like, yeah. The first and second. Because you told me, you came back, and he's like, um, guess who Sebastian's favorite team is? I was like, I Dodgers. don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. And then you also told me later, you'd asked him, like, who's the best player on the team? And he said Jordan Hamburg, mm -hmm. and I think that from the yeah. from the stats, I think that's the I think that's the right answer for sure. So you were kind of talking to players a little bit, and then um, yeah, you came back to told me that you was like, oh, I'm starting to do fist bumps for luck, because you, your hand could fit through that wire mesh. Yeah, I can be like this. Yeah, you could. Like I can literally like make my hand flat and mm -hmm. like and then like squeeze all my fingers together, and then I can reach the. Uh -huh. and make the fist. So you started to do that, and in the eighth, what happened? Uh. How many runs? <laughs> well, how many runs did they get? Uh, in the eighth, we got two runs. They got two runs. So that didn't quite close the gap up enough. It was at that point, it was ten to uh, ten, eleven to ten, but they did manage to shut out Delaware State in the bottom of the inning. And so it's a one-run game. It's kind of close. And this next inning is my favorite inning in baseball ever. I I don't know if anything's ever gonna top this inning. This was, like, super cool. This was super exciting. Um, you were def. Oh, in fact, not only were you doing fist bumps for luck at this point, you took down our mascot Swoop as well, the Philadelphia Eagles plush. You put him through the bars, the, um, through the bars his as well. His beak and his hands and his beak. Uh-huh. And wasn't Coach grabbing, like, his beak? Yeah, first base <laughs> Coach. Uh-huh. So what do you remember about this ending, then? Anything? I know you got fist bumps from everybody, I think, at this point. No. You did get fist bumps from everybody? Nearly everybody. Wait, I though. did. Okay, I was going to say, I think you did. And um, in the ninth inning, Hopkins State got eight runs and Delaware State only got one. Yeah. So the final score is 18-2, to two, Hopkins State. And also... 18-12. to 12. 12. <laughs> one and two is 12, not two. What does eight stand for? What does eight stand for? Eight runs. Hit. No, H. Oh, H. Hits. There's 15 hits for Coppin State and 12 uh -huh. hits for Delaware State. Uh-huh. Now, at this point in the game as well, they were going kind of going through pitches as well. Uh, you were giving your high fives. The players were just getting super excited because everything that had been going wrong in the previous two games, suddenly everything came together. People were getting hits. Um, I think Matt Day led off the inning. I think he hit a big triple. I didn't manage to record that. I was starting to record little clips. And he absolutely sprinted around. I was like, oh my gosh, he's not going to get there. And he did like a big Superman dive to get to third base. Made it. And then it just kind of fired this everyone up. This is what up. they were chanting when 15 was catching. Boo! Boo! 
The other thing was, as they brought in their pitcher change, because Delaware State obviously knew there was trouble, the players kind of all came around because they wanted to talk. And, um, yeah, I have, a, I have a great picture of you kind of sat on a rail, right, watching the dugout, and players all around you, and everyone's kind of got big smiles on their face because I think at that point everyone knew that it was going good. Like, if your forum's up in the ninth, that's going to be pretty good. But, yeah, so they only had... Ten, they had well, only they had ten runs in the first eight innings, and then they had eight in the last. Now the part that we haven't even talked about is this game nearly didn't even finish on time. Can you remember what happened? Oh yeah, there was a thunderstorm. There was a thunderstorm. Like there was clearly lightning. And normally, if it was like high school sports, it's like that's done straight away. But they kind of said, look, if if it happens, if it gets closer to us, then we'll stop. It was a long way in the distance, but yeah, it started to get really dark, and we're like, oh my gosh, please, let's keep this going. This game, final time, like, was, it was so. This was a long game. Yeah. It was supposed. It was supposed to start at three thirty. It, it actually started at three thirty-five. And um, the game went on for four hours and twenty-six minutes. Like I tell you, I never see a three-hour game. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like two and a half hours the average game. It's never that. It's always three hours and more. Mainly because there were so many pitching changes. Like this, for most people, was the last game of the season. So it's like, you've got to... This gets you into the NCAA tournament. So you might as well th keep throwing new pitches in. Like, you've got eight months, nine months to recover now until you play your next game. So you might as well just go for it. Um, so yeah, it started to get dark. It looked like a thunderstorm might be possible. Um, in the end, it didn't happen. Um, everything came out pretty good. Um, I didn't actually talk about... Oh yeah, the... it was like so bright. And then it just became dark in like five minutes. Like, I didn't even talk about the pitching, actually. So, John Neal opened, and he pitched in a couple of the other games as well, I believe. Um, Giovanni Canellas came in as well. And uh, Johan Freudenberg came in. And um, in the end, seven? Rashad Ruff came in. Um, uh, I think Rashad Ruff's number seven. I think Freudenberg's 18, I think. I'm not 100% sure on that. But Rashad Ruff came in for five innings as the closer. So that was a, like a really long time. He got five strikeouts. Yeah, he threw more pitches than um, almost the rest of them combined. So John Neal threw 45. Uh, Giovanni threw 45. Uh, Johan threw 13. I think it was to try and get them out of the inning at that point. And um, Rashad Ruff threw 96 pitches. Like, that's a lot just for a regular starter. But it just shows you how many runs each team was actually getting. Um, I did look, actually. Delaware State had won the tournament before, but the last time they won it was 1989. Coppin State had won the tournament before, uh, but the last time they won it was 1995. And then they were in a playoff to make the uh, NCAA, and they didn't make it. So, yeah, that was it, Jane. This um, Baltimore Sun on May 22nd. Coppin State captured its first MEAC championship since 1995, matched a program record for wins in a single season, and collected the athletic department's first conference title since 2008 when the men's basketball squad edged Morgan State. So this was not just for the basketball, this was for the whole Coppin State University. This was like a, a huge result. Um, I think that you have the uh, 2022 MEAC All Tournament team, right? Yeah. Okay, so. so do you want to tell us who was in it? This did. Um, oh, perhaps you don't have that. Perhaps I have that then. Perhaps you have something later then. So, um, the old tournament team then were uh, Jordan Hamburg uh, from Coppin State, Josh Hankins from Coppin State, Brian Wait, Nicholas yeah, from yeah. Coppin State, Sebastian uh, Sarabia from Coppin State, um, Alan Alonso from Delaware State, Crew Bolden from Delaware State, Evan Harris from Delaware State, Robert Trujillo from Delaware State, Alex McCoy from Maryland Eastern Shore. Evan Niblett from Maryland Eastern Shore and Jacob Council from Norfolk State. Wait, Obviously, they, with the. Do they the, all make a team? 
Not everybody. No, it's the all team. <laughs> it's the all MEAC team, tournament team. So no, not everybody makes it because there's four teams worth of players, but they pick the best players to make one big team if they could do that. So obviously not surprisingly, most people are from Coppin State and Delaware State because they were obviously in the final games. Um, outstanding performance, uh, performer, sorry, was Brian Nicholas from uh, Coppin State. And the outstanding coach, Sherman Reed from Coppin State. Yep. So, not particularly surprising for this one. Now, I know what you do have, though. So, we'll talk about we'll talk about the games for this one next time, JJ, I think. But, what does that mean, then, for the actual NCAA tournament, okay? Because they've actually, they actually announced this, I think this was about a week or so ago. Or probably at the time of recording, probably about a week and a half ago. Okay. It is at Greenville. Mm-hmm. North Carolina. Uh-huh. I um, thought it was Greenville, South Carolina. I'd already Friday, plugged it in. It was like seven and a half hours away, and this was only four Friday hours away. Friday, game one, Coppin State versus number eight, East Carolina. Uh-huh. 1 p.m., game two, Coastal Carolina versus Virginia, 6 And then that's, that's probably enough, Saturday, actually. Saturday, game three, Friday, losers, and game four, Friday winners. Correct. So it's basically the same format as what we saw at the MEAC. At time of recording, I don't actually know who won this bracket. Um, I did see some of the games, but I haven't seen all of the games because I didn't get a chance to watch yesterday's games. So we're going to save that until uh, the next one and we'll leave it at that for right now. Oh, well, I guess I should ask you, is there anything else you wanted to talk about in the tournament? Seems like the last time we're going to talk about the tournament. No. Anything on the way back? I think, oh, my thing from the way back was you fell asleep instantly and slept most of the way home. Oh, as we were driving home, actually, it was torrential rain and it was thunderstorms and lightning. So we kind of got lucky that you finished the game in time. Yeah. Um, I had to slow right down. I was only driving like 40 miles an hour on the interstate for about an hour, an hour and a half. It was so bad. Um, yeah, just wasn't good. Wasn't good at all. All right, this is normally where we do the Coppin State update, but we've kind of talked a lot about Coppin State anyway, with obviously talking about that one. Um, one thing I realized that we didn't talk about, JJ, was what happened after the match. So after they won, do you want to talk a little bit about what happened? Um, From your perspective? So they took the picture of the trophy. Yeah, trophy came on the field. And like, they celebrated. Mm -hmm. And then we gave spook. <laughs> we gave them swoop because somebody was saying that you were lucky and we needed to take you along to Tennessee for the next round, which wasn't where it was. Um, I said, I don't think we're going to be able to make Tennessee. And actually, this the weekend of the uh, NCAA tournament, I had school graduation, so I could not get out of that, particularly considering I'd already taken a day off to get to this tournament as it was anyway. So um, a swoop was kind of lucky. We kind of left swoop with them to carry on with their journey. I know he's not the Coppin State Eagle, but he was an Eagle. We left them. But yeah, the players, I could see the parents got on the field as well. So you could, I saw some pictures posted of like players, parents, and trophies, which was pretty cool. Um, I wish I could remember who it was. Um, one player had actually, I believe, had actually won the MIAC as well already. So I think it was, um, I think he'd won it as, a, as their father, and then his son had won it as well. Um, I wish I could remember who that was. But yeah, the player were very excited when they won they just like all stormed out onto the field um delaware state obviously left pretty quickly the fans left pretty quickly um because it was about to rain as well so it was a and also because they didn't want to be and also because they didn't and also because they lost too well that's yeah they lost and also because they're way farther up north 
as well. I assume that's the thing, yeah, because I thought we were going to get home. Like, I assumed they were, well, I assumed we were going to win the first game and then we could go home and we'd be home about like six o'clock. Um, and as it was, we didn't get home till 11.30, so who knows what time they got home. I did see Coppin State post pictures. They got home about two o'clock, I think it was, because um, there was video filmed while they were up there. So, um, yeah, obviously they got to load everything up onto the bus as well. And, yeah. Um, they probably hit those same rain conditions that we hit as well. Um, one thing I did want to talk about for the NCAA tournament, Jay, I know it's not really a Coppin State thing. Um, North Carolina played its way from outside the bubble to the number 10 national seed by winning 15 of its last 17 games, including a dominant 4-0 run through the ACC tournament. Uh, VCU and Hofstra enter the postseason similarly hot, riding win streaks of 15 and 9 games, respectively. So we actually saw VCU earlier. Again, so, Richmond Spiders. Yeah, so they're in the tournament as well. I didn't see how well VCU did either. So when we do our review of the first round of the NCAA tournament next week, I'll try and give updates on um, both of those as well. All right, Jay, Orioles update time. Tell us about some scores. Okay. So... Of course, they were facing Boston a lot, five times this week. Oh, last week. Okay. So they won the first game 12 to 8. They lost the next game 5 to 3. They won the next game 4 to 2. They lost the next game 12 to 2. They'll, they won the last game against Boston 10 to 0. Uh huh. Oh, look what happened on the next game, though. At Seattle. They lost 10-0. So they won 10-0 and they lost 10-0. You notice how they've gone one loss, one loss, one loss. Did that pattern continue? No. All right, so what happened then? Well, it did for the next they two. They won against Seattle 9-2. Then they lost 7-6. And then Cleveland. Then they... Lost against the Cleveland Guardians six mm -hmm. to three, and then they won five to four. So within that ten oh, game yeah, and stretch, plus why the the name Guardians is like the worst name ever. I don't like it particularly. So they won, and with that ten game stretch, though they won five games and they lost five games. Uh, upcoming games, they've got they had one more against Cleveland on Sunday, which as we're recording on Monday, which we is have some tickets problems. as low as eight dollars. It is, yeah. They actually did win that one, um, and they got upcoming games against um, uh, Cleveland again. Oh, sorry, Chicago. I apologize. That must be the White Sox, and then the, the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Red Sox updates. Did I give you the scores for those ones? Or did I leave that for me? Um, put the scores in this. Okay, go ahead. Tell us the games. Obviously, I'm, you don't need to repeat the Baltimore ones because we already have those. So I think they played Cincinnati next. They lost two to one. Mm -hmm. And they won everything after that. All right, so they beat Cincinnati. 7-1, 7-2. Eight to zero, and the last two were against Oakland. And actually, on Sunday they swept the um, the games against Oakland, and they're actually now at five hundred for the first time for a long time. Might be the first time this year, actually. Uh, coming up, they're going to face the Los Angeles Angels for four games. JJ, all right. Can you remember the stat about Los Angeles Angels that I told you yesterday mm, when we we're at Mason's game? What their no. what their record is right now? No. They've lost 11 consecutive games. Oh, yeah. They were like one of the hottest teams in baseball, and now they've suddenly become... They're not even in... Oh, actually, I didn't know this until literally about an hour ago, JJ. The Red Sox are actually now um, in the wild card. They have currently have the third wild card, so Los Angeles What's have dropped that back. Um, it qualifies for the postseason, but you have to play an extra game. 
because you didn't win the division. And um, also they've got Seattle coming up as well. So they're on the road on the West Coast. Oh, a couple of those games are on ESPN Plus, I see. Oh, they're all late games though, so I don't think I'll be watching that. Wait, 4.10 p.m.? 4.10 I can watch, probably on the Sunday. Um, Sunday, May 29th, the 12-2 game that you that talked too. about. Um, the Red Sox had five home runs from five different players. Um, also, from April 23rd to April 28th, the Red Sox didn't homer in six consecutive games, marking their longest drought since 2001. So, within that one game, they had five home runs. So, they're getting much better for offense. Uh, Tuesday's game, Luis Castillo threw six scoreless innings in a 2-1 win over the Red Sox. The victory was Cincinnati's first regular season win at Fenway Park in club history since October 1975. Now, I wonder if you could remember anything about that game, because we actually talked about that last night as you were going to bed. You know anything about no. the game? That was supposedly one of the best home runs in uh, World Series history. It was, um, oh my oh, god. Oh yeah! That was actually game it went six. To left yeah actually that was game six not game seven but that was the last time that that happened um i'm also reading a book called swinking kings right now uh, the inside story of baseball's home run revolution by jared diamond for march 2020 and actually it's talking about jd martinez a swing um jd martinez is the dh for the uh, for the red sox and i'm kind of interested on this theory my favorite player in baseball is ted williams and i remember he always talked about hitting upwards uh, apparently JD Martinez does that, but apparently that's not the common way that people teach. What is swinging upwards? You're hitting upwards. Most people teach you hit downwards. So I'm kind of interested in that. I want to look at more players about how they swing. I'd love to. I talked to I, one of my former students a little bit about like swing. An upwards angle. Not as much as you're showing me. You're showing me about 45 degrees. This is like 10 degrees. It's just a little bit up. So imagine the ball coming down. You kind of want to hit it on that same thing. But yeah, they also talked about the myth of. I remember when Mason was um, practicing. They coached him like squish the bug. It's like twisting your foot. Uh, apparently, a lot of these things now are kind of frowned upon. But anyway, it was about JD Martinez. So I was kind of cool to. As a Red Sox fan, get to hear a little bit more about him. All right, this week in baseball, um, this is from Major League uh, MajorLeagueBaseball.com. You got the first story, JJ. So go ahead. Memorial Day marks the 25th anniversary of Major League Baseball honor and observing the national moment of remembrance. Mm -hmm. So they basically have an afternoon game, and at three o'clock they stop. The whole game, and then, the, and then they just do nothing basically. And, and well, it's to remember what's going on. Because most games start at one p.m. on Sundays, mm -hmm. so normally the games go on like two, three hours. So that would finish at four. So they stop. Uh, what happens if a game's not going on at that time, though? Uh, we clubs not in action at three p.m. Local time will observe a brief moment of silence prior to the national anthem before their respective games. All on field and MLB personnel will win the traditional memorial red poppy on the left side of the jerseys with lest we forgot. So that was players, umpires, basically everybody on the field, not just the players. So now how but what if they slide on the ground like like Superman dive. What if they do? Like, then it might come out. I assume they're sewing it on. <laughs> I don't think it's like sticking. That's not like a sticker. They're going to sew it on. Like, do their numbers fall off during the game? 
And then no. name fall off during the game? No! Well, so same no. reason. Alright, second story. Um, Kyler McDaniel from ESPN.com uh, ESPN talked about the college draft. Now, I was kind of interested in the, the college draft because I was kind of looking to see like who was coming up. And I didn't really know any of the... We don't, I'm, now I'm interested in college baseball more. I was kind of interested to see who might be coming up. Of course, some people could be coming from just uh, high school as well. The projected top two picks are in the first round. Projection are Drew Jones and Jackson Holiday. Uh, it says they could go to Baltimore and Arizona, respectively. Baltimore Orioles have the first pick, JJ. Um, the players also... So these are actually sons of former players as well. Uh, Drew Jones is Andrew Jones, who used to play for the Braves. And Jackson Holiday is uh, Matt Holiday's son. Um, there's also the son of Carl Crawford, uh, Luke Collier. Uh, Collier, sorry. A 10-year ten ten -year NFL tight end. And Eric Green. And they're also predicted in the first round. Um, apparently, first round picks could get as much money, Jay, as $8.8 .8 million. Woo! Before they even play a game, just for basically like a signing on bonus. A lot of money. A lot of money. Alright, last story. I know we talked about Jackie Robinson Day before. And um, we just talked about Memorial Day um, as well. There was another day this week as well. In 2021, MLB began an annual tradition of observing Lou Gehrig Day on June 2nd to raise awareness of Oof. amyotropic lateral sclerosis, ALS. And those afflicted with the debilitating disease that, that affects, affects the nervous system. The nervous system. Gary, a Hall of Fame first baseman with the New York Yankees, died on June 2nd, 1941, his 37th birthday. From ALS. So we also so he talked... had it for 37 years. No, he died when he was 37. He started to get symptoms of it when he was about 35. So um, it says debilitating because that means it increasingly gets worse. And so basic... he died 37. He died age 37. It, That's young. It's very young. Yeah, and he was somebody who was very fit, fit as well. Like he was one of the best athletes. Now I don't know if you can remember. I told you a story about Lou Gehrig recently because it was a, a big stat about him. Can you remember why Lou Gehrig was so famous? No. It was actually something that Cal Ripken beat Lou Gehrig for. So can you remember what Cal... Home runs? Not home runs. Stolen bases? Not stolen. No, it's a number of games played. So um, Cal Ripken's 26-32 and Lou Gehrig was 2100-something. I can't remember exactly the number. And that's the only reason it ended there. Um, one day, he was just kept finding he kept making mistakes. So um, he took himself out of the lineup, uh, went to get some tests, and that's when they found he had ALS. And like 18 months later, he was dead. And even now, 70 years later, it's basically a death sentence. If, if you have ALS, you are not recovering from ALS. You will probably die within two years. And there's a few different people in baseball right now who've had family members who have either died from ALS or currently have ALS as well. So there was a few stories that came out for it. But yeah, it started on the 70th anniversary of uh, Lou Gehrig's day. Uh, I'm sorry, of Lou Gehrig dying. But yeah, it was a nice logo, but a horrible story. And hopefully they can use it, like it said in the story, to raise awareness. I don't know if you, you would remember. I have a feeling you probably wouldn't. I think you were only one or two at the time. But there was something called the Ice Bucket Challenge. And basically you got a bucket of ice and you poured it over your own head. 
and it was to try and raise money for that. And then you nominated somebody else to do it as well. Um, I know Mason did it, and I did it. Uh, I don't think we used a full bucket. I think Mason wanted to do it with you, and we're like, no, he's like a baby. Like, he's not doing it. I think it was 2015, I want to say it was. Um, but yeah, they've raised millions of dollars, but unfortunately, there's no cure for it right now. Um, I want to do that. Yeah, you want to do an ice bucket challenge? Yeah. It's uh, it's very, very cold, obviously, because it's a bucket full of ice. But Can we have two buckets full of ice for me? Uh, it sounds like that would be something we could uh, try and get people to sponsor you for, though. We could uh, we could talk to your grandparents and see if they would sponsor you. And perhaps Mason might sponsor you a dollar or something. And I'm sure Mommy and I would sponsor you if you want to try and raise some money for ALS. Mm-hmm. All right, and then I'm sure we can film it and put it on the put it on our YouTube channel as well. Oh, speaking of which, I did release our first two episodes on YouTube. You keep saying we're on YouTube and we're not, so I released the first two episodes on YouTube. I'll keep putting a yeah. couple of episodes out until we get caught up. I can see how many subscribers we get. You can, but most of the people who are going to watch it probably have already listened to it, so it won't be obviously anywhere near as many. Um, I did see actually on um, iTunes that it said the most um, the most popular episode currently on Visionaries Global Media is your last episode. So I have a feeling some people have been listening to it on iTunes, so that's good to know. That's good to know. Yep. Alright, I think that's it, JJ, for this week. Um, I know next week we are actually going to a baseball game, so I think we'll be saving that for the following week. But go ahead, if you want to play Wait, your little outro? Wait, can we outro? record? Can we like um record it like at the game, Dad? We could probably record something at the game, yeah. So you don't forget. Boy. Bye.